from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Wednesday, May 16th, 2018, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, Andre Henry. Yo. Welcome back. Thanks. The po- by popular demand. <laughs> yes. Twitter loved Mostly it. me. Twitter loved the Kanye takes last week. And so yeah, they did. Twitter loved you, buddy. Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, author, speaker, and podcaster, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. We have a great show in store for you. Um, if, if you're new to the format, uh, we have in the last few weeks split to two shows a week. And this Wednesday episode uh, features our In Case You Missed It segment, which is our weekly look at what's happening in culture and entertainment. Um, we also have a guest. And then uh, we will do your feedback on this episode. On Friday's show, uh, we mix it up. We do slices have another guest and do our listener of the week. So, uh, so far so good. This is, I think week three of the new experiment and it seems to be working. So the internet seems to like it. I like how people tell us that they're enjoying it. Yeah. We appreciate the feedback, everyone. Uh, if you don't like the new format, keep it to yourself, but (laughs) no, 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 they can. We don't need to hear it. We don't need their negativity. Hey, coming up on the show today, uh, we have a, a fun guest. Stephanie Gretzinger from Bethel Music uh, mm. joins us. She has a new album Aww. out, but she's doing the segment, uh, The Five Songs That Changed Her Life. I love that segment. Oh, cool. Yeah. That new album of hers. Oh, my gosh. I cannot quit it. It is so good. It's I, I literally listened to it at some point. I hit it at some point every day. Yeah, it's really good. It's not good. Well, that's coming up later. But first, our weekly look back at culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. Hey, In Case You Missed It this week, uh, director Ryan Coogler, I call him the Coog. uh, (laughs) You always do. Said he would be down for an all-female Black Panther spinoff. That's interesting. Uh, He was asked at the Cannes Film Festival about how important the women of Wakanda were to the story. And he said, I think you could argue that they are more important than the men. There's a whole section of the film where T'Challa is out of the movie and you're just following the women. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts oh, of the movie when I watched it. And I didn't really expect that. We have these actresses uh, who could easily carry their own movie. So uh, so when, when asked about an all-female spinoff, he said it would be amazing, adding they did it in the comic book version. So Latita Wright, who along with being a breakout star of Black Panther is a, a vocal Christian, by the way, uh, she tweeted to Kugler saying, ready, big bro. <laughs> so oh, I, love I it. would totally watch it. Honestly, like as good as uh, uh, Chadwick, uh, what's it, Bozeman is and Michael B. Jordan. Like, I feel like the women in that movie had way more personality, had bigger laughs, were more yeah. engaging, like, when they were on screen. Like, yeah, I just feel, I, I totally agree. Like, it, I, everyone would watch that movie. Yeah. I just sure. wanted to go back to Wakanda. But, too, I feel like they were all stronger <laughs> characters than the two main male protagonists. Well, and well, protagonists and antagonists. I mean, you could you could do a whole movie about the, the postman in Wakanda, and I'm going to watch it because <laughs> I want to go back there. No, but I, but I will 
will say, I, I think Letitia Wright is going to be like a big breakout star, not just in oh, the MCU. Yeah, for sure. But, Remind but just me which one she is. Sorry. Is she the she sister is, or is she the yeah, main she's sister. Yeah, this her sister Suri. Um, uh, Shuri, I think it was her name uh, yep, in the uh-huh. film. Um, she was also in a really uh, interesting but very dark episode of Black Mirror, the final episode of the final season of the last season. She... She she starred in that episode of Black Mirror. Um, but yeah, like Cameron said, the other thing, uh, I think we posted uh, something about it months ago when she was doing the Black Panther tour. You know, she almost quit acting. And it wasn't right, until yeah. she became a Christian and she said that, you know, her faith gave her value outside of her career that she felt like really? she, she could reengage it. And then she started getting all these big roles. And now she could be a big player in the MCU. That's cool. I, I missed yeah. that somehow, but that's a cool story. Yeah. Do, this is an aside, but do we think, because I've been seeing commercials for it lately, do we think Ocean's 8 is going to be good? Because <laughs> the commercials, I got to be honest, I love all those actresses, but yeah. it just doesn't have the zip that uh, like Ocean's 11 had. Like, the, like neither did the, like the, neither sti- the last Oceans, though. The style and <laughs> right, the swagger and the, the, you know, it just doesn't have that. The, again, trailers can be misleading. That's true, yeah. But it's just... I. I don't know. Like it make like I'm scared that it won't be that good. Uh, I yeah. I at least think that it will be funny. Okay. Uh, yeah, because of the true. cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially I think Mindy Kaling is probably going to bring the laughs. I just I'm such Man, not like a Sandra her. Bullock fan, mm. that, and she's like a pivotal. At least in the commercial. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. It's like she's her really, deal, right? right? And I'm going, yeah. I don't, yeah, the... don't want to see Miss Congeniality for two hours. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Do you have this thing where it's like once you see someone in a role, like they're always that role? See it. They're yeah. All, yeah. Like Daniel Radcliffe is always and Harry Miss Potter Congeniality to me. Right. is the one you pick for Sandra Bullock. That's the one that you can't get her out of? Usually it's the first role it you was, see It was in. like that or the net. I mean, she's, I, but to me, like it's the same. What about like Hope Floats? She was so great in Hope Floats. I never saw Hope Floats. <gasps> All no, I think is speed, in. and she was awesome in speed. She Therefore, awesome she's in awesome speed. in everything. I, okay, I mean, if you like that kind of stuff, she's like the Keanu Reeves of uh, like to me. Like Keanu that is Reeves a high is high praise, man. That, that is, is that is the praise. highest of compliments. Like Dude, I, yeah. like I can't like I, if I saw Keanu Reeves in a in a commercial right now, I'd be like, I don't want to see that movie. And I feel I the same way about Sandra Bullock. You know, like I just, I'm sure they're fine. It's just not my, I don't know. There's something I, about I've, them. I've been so reading. I've been like hearing different like think pieces lately about how <laughs> Keanu Reeves is the last real like old school action star. Like really? you know, just the rock and Vin Diesel, but like Keanu Reeves career dates so much further back than them. Mm-hmm. And he was in, are you one of the, the biggest action franchise of all time, the matrix, but also the John wick franchise has mm-hmm. been, has made insane money because those m- movies aren't made for much, but they make hundreds of millions of dollars. And he he's totally like doing he all of his choices have not followed a trend, but they've set trends in the action movie world. I don't know if I can buy that until Keanu Reeves is in one of the Expendables movies. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. He, Jesse, yeah. you just happened to overlook his other thing uh, that he is most known for, which is Bill and Ted's Excellent, Excellent Adventure. Adventure. And then again, he kind of like kind of set a genre trend too. that movie was groundbreaking. Yeah. Then the Matrix it was, was groundbreaking. Great. That's so interesting. Maybe he's a better actor than I remember. Mm. Well, well yeah. even even I'm speed, e- even speed. Like at the time, you know, they, there wasn't like a lot. Uh, it like since like Die Hard, there wasn't like another big action movie that like blew up like that. And speed, speed uh, was no massive when it came. Uh, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, speed was massive when it came out. You know. Oh yeah. 
I'll never forget the bus jumping that that uh, interstate that wasn't finished under oh. construction. Oh man, and the bus had yeah. to jump it, the gap, and, <laughs> but they couldn't go over fifty five miles an hour. I just feel like history will look back on Keanu. This is such a random rabbit trail that we're going on. And <laughs> a weird hill for me to like plant a flag in. But I will say this. Looking but I'm going to do it first time, Jess. I feel this. like when people look back, like when when Phil, when we look back at like like Hollywood, uh, um, you know, stars, I feel like people will look back at that Keanu Reeves was vastly underrated in his time for what he accomplished. And I stand by that. Like really? I still think he's doing interesting movies. I totally, I'm not saying he's a great Greatest actor. He's a yeah. variation of himself every time, right. you know. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. But that's a, that's look at thing. his film okay. catalog. So, like, but great actors, right? Like, I should be seeing you as the role. I should be not aware of you, the like actual Street. person. Right. She d- like you forget you're watching Meryl Streep because she becomes yes. the thing. Uh-huh. Yes. I'm always aware I'm watching Sandra Bullock. I'm always aware I'm watching Counter Reeves. You know what I mean? And they're just like acting for him. Oh, for that, that's you totally know? valid. I see, yeah. But I feel like I feel like there he's not the only like there are. So there's a whole branch of actors that is always like that. You know, you could say the same thing about George Clooney, you know, like yeah, he's, he's, just just always, he's always himself. a variation of George Clooney, you know, like you're not going to see George it's Clooney. It's just disapp- so much cooler than what Keanu is very. <laughs> 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 Again, here, but you're not going to see like G- G- George Clooney disappear into the role of Winston Churchill or something. Like, <laughs> for sure, for sure. I, I totally don't hold that against them. I don't hold that against, them. I, yes, I hold totally that against them. I'm just saying. I think I, I, that there are two. There are character actors who can disappear into their characters. Then there are actors who always play a variation of themselves. I think. I think to be fair, Sandra Bullock falls into that latter category. But I don't mm-hmm. think that discounts mm-hmm. their ability. I just think it's a different right. thing. You know? I did recently right. watch okay. again the uh, that that one. She was in with Ryan Reynolds about Alaska, and like she was the yeah. boss, and oh, they had to fake, uh, fake the marriage oh, and all that. Yes, I don't remember the name yeah. of that yeah. story, but I, uh, the movie. But I, I remember they talking about it. Was it was that was actually pretty good. It movie. was a good movie. Yeah. Cameron, you may have forgotten about this. I was just looking at. I was going to try to underscore my case with Keanu Reeves' IMDb page, and I just remembered while looking at it that he was once on the cover of Relevant magazine. Yes, he was for the film Constantine. Back that's right. Was he? Oh, right. History yeah, I mean, will remember us very well on. for that. Yeah, early Sandra on. Bullock will be like, next. That's like 04 level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. That's amazing yeah. that you got a cover thing with Keanu Reeves in 04. Well done, Relevant. Well, they, it, well, Constantine had some Christian themes, so you yeah. know the the mm-hmm. studio was looking for some Christian press, and yeah. You know, yeah. we covered the secular stuff, so <laughs> yeah, you know, it worked out. Hey, in case you missed it, uh, this week Woody Harrelson told Jimmy Kimmel that he actually wanted to go into the ministry when he was young, but then he what? abandoned those plans after suffering a crisis of faith. Mm. He was a guest on the late night show when he brought up his college experience and explained that he received a Presbyterian scholarship to attend a Christian college and planned on going into the ministry. Wow! Uh, but while he was there, he became friends with uh, Vice President Mike Pence explaining <laughs> no way. I remember, you're lying no 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 i remember i actually quite liked him i thought he was a pretty good guy he was very religious very committed uh however he said that after studying the bible in college he abandoned his plans here's a clip it was good for me at the time that i kind of that i started to shift off you know i'd studied theology and i started rethinking, you know, the way I, I thought, I started to see how man made the Bible was, you know, Interesting. The Nicene Council, the early church and all that. And then I started saying, well, you know, I could put this whole thing on hold for a while. Uh, and just like, like, I don't know, does God exist? Is it Christian? You know, I just, I said, let's just put this whole idea on hold so that I can have a twenties and thirties of 
extreme hedonism. So right now... <laughs> that's the risk of putting this on hold like if you're listening and you're like you know i got questions about faith i'm just gonna put it on hold for a while there's a risk there look at well i mean right. but to be fair it kind of worked out okay for woody harrelson other than the eternal salvation thing yeah eternal salvation but you know whatever yeah yeah i would have thought him and mike pence were the same age yeah isn't that crazy to yeah. be in college together that seems I, f- I picture Mike Pence is significantly older than Woody Harrelson. I'm asking Mike Pence that. is at least 900. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Pence is 58 years old. 58. And what's Woody Harrelson? Can you double down on that, Googling? Uh, yep, we're doing it right now. Woody Harrelson. I don't know. He looks like an elf. 56. Not, not Harrelson. Uh, 56. Yeah, they were in school together. 56. So wow. they were just a couple of grades apart. Fascinating. I cannot picture them hanging out. Like, like right now, Woody no. Harrelson, like his main recreational activity is like hanging out with Willie Nelson and playing poker in like old saloons and things. Like, Serious? you know, like the exact opposite tra- trajectory of Mike Pence, but also the fact that you know, up for most for all of his young life, he wanted to go into ministry. I think it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, b- because Woody Harrelson would have made an awesome pastor. Yeah, <laughs> like, he was awesome. the coolest pastor ever. It is interesting when people know each other like that. When Mike Pence and and we've never known that before that that 20, 30 years ago, Mike Pence and Woody Harrelson were pals. Wow, it's fascinating. I mean, it's almost like you know, last week on our show, Andre Henry saying, "Oh yeah, yeah I was I went to school oh. with Donald Glover." <laughs> Serious. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sames. Samesies. Do you know any famous people, Annie? Like like that? No, I didn't grow up with anyone. There's no one in my history that I grew up with that is now famous. But you live in Nashville, so you have friends now that maybe could become more than just Nashville famous. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm friends with people in country music and friends with CCM. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're like already known. They're not like a college guy. True. True, true. Like no one that you dated is now in a Netflix series or something like that. <laughs> not that I know of. Do you know something I don't know, Andre? <laughs> don't, well, give us a list of all your ex-boyfriends and we'll go. Yeah, yeah, we'll let's go just go through all the exes and yeah. see which one ends up on Netflix. What about the love of your life? That that guy. What was his name? <laughs> wow. <laughs> the one that got away? I forget. And Harry Connick Jr. It's called Hope Floats. It's actually my story. Uh, it's, it's actually yeah, it's, a documentary. It's, it's, it's a, documentary. a very underrated actor. You may have heard him. Keanu Reeves. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, a, a whirlwind romance. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, once he got the Matrix role, it all went to his head. You know, that's but, right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. I lost him after that. I took yeah. the wrong pill. Hey, in case yeah. you missed it this week, I mean, I don't know how you could have possibly missed it, but uh, since we're chronicling the things that happen as they go, if yeah. we didn't mention this, we would be remiss. Mm. Uh, this week, uh, in NBC saved Brooklyn Nine Nine from cancellation. Oh, oh, thank you, baby so Jesus! Glad. It's so funny. I, I like so so. Fox announced, you know, they're it's upfront season right now. They're announcing all the stuff for next year, and Fox announced the cancellations, and they just unceremoniously on Saturday cancel Brooklyn Nine-Nine. First off, how rude to do that on Saturday right. when we're not after, paying attention. After five seasons, they're when trying we're not to sneak it in there. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So like breaking up on a text. But, but, but why though? It's <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously ratings. I mean, yeah. it's been five seasons and they just, I guess, they want the slot for something else. Yeah. So they yeah. canceled yeah. it. What's interesting, I, I'm not even reading the copy right now. It's an NBC show. NBC Studios do, does it and sold it to Fox. This happens all the time. Uh-huh. So a oh, lot of okay. a lot of these famous shows, like it'll be a Fox Studios owned show, and they might they might sell it to you know Netflix, you mm-hmm. know, or whatever. This was an NBC owned property, 
because of Andy Samberg's relationship with Lauren Michaels and everything. It's right. an NBC production. Yeah. And they sold it to Fox instead of airing yeah. it. It was bizarre. So, so, weird. so uh, after the backlash of the cancellation, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it says something about who I follow on Twitter, but my Twitter feed was nothing about Brooklyn. I mean, nothing except Brooklyn nine. Really? Yeah. yeah. Just rage. Really? This weekend. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's this huge backlash on the internet and NBC entertainment chairman, Robert Greenblatt um, said to variety that the series, which was co-created by Michael Shore, the mastermind behind NBC hits like parks and rec and the good place was sold to Fox years ago. He oh, said the the it was a decision that the network thinks was a mistake. He said, ever since we sold the show to Fox, I've regretted letting it get away and it's high time. It came back to its rightful home. We're thrilled that one of the smartest, funniest and best cast comedies in a long time will take its place in our comedy lineup. Yeah. The 13 episode sixth season will kick off in the fall on NBC. It is such a good show. I'm so glad that it's that it is staying on the air. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. Andy Sandberg's so funny to me. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And the other thing is like, I was surprised at first because it's a Michael sure show, you know, and, and, you know, he's done, so, you know, cousin Moe's on the office and created all those other great NBC shows. So, well, the other thing too, I think the 13 cousin Moe's is the show runner of this show. Cousin Moe's, <laughs> Cousin Moe's was played by Michael Schur. Michael Schur was a writer on The Office. He created Parks and Rec. He created The Good Place, and he created Brooklyn Nine Nine. But he cousin also was cousin Moe's. Cousin Moe's from The no Office idea. is Michael Schur, and <laughs> Michael Schur is the mastermind yeah. of all of those shows. Dwight Schrute's cousin Moe's. He lives on <laughs> yeah. the beef farm, and he makes random cameos and is the weirdest dude. Like, yeah, yeah. he's the mastermind behind these great shows. That's yes. crazy. Uh, That's like, amazing uh, that one dude had all three of those shows existing in his head. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because the him. good the good place is nothing like Parks and Rec and no. and and Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, like, but it's brilliant and so funny. Yeah. Now, I, the good place. So the good place when it came out on NBC a couple of years ago, I, I watched first couple episodes and and honestly, I didn't connect with it. It was it felt like one of those too sanitized cheesy NBC sitcoms. Like uh -huh. it didn't have. The uh -huh. heart and the, I don't know. It just, I just thought it was, it, it just didn't click with me stylistically. Uh -huh. yeah. And, but I have heard and I gave up on it. Admittedly, I gave up on it, but I have heard that it became one of the more brilliant and profound shows it's brilliant. and the yes. evolution that the show took was significant. And maybe the way it started was deliberate uh -huh. and, and then it, be, it needed to set that to become something else or something. That's what I've heard about it. Is it, is it, did it have the series finale the other day or is it still no, on the no. season? No, it's, yeah. season. it's still, yeah. It's, yeah it, it is really good. Do you watch it, Jesse? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't watch it uh, religiously. No pun intended, but more of like, well done, sir. It, it, because even more than it's like entertainment value, it's, it, like it, especially after the first season because they had this big plot twist and that that if you haven't seen it, I won't give away right. but uh, since then it like the the idea behind the show has kind of shifted where it's more into exploring different like philosophies about religion life and death mm -hmm. like morality mm -hmm. like one episode you'd be like oh this there this is like a reference to like Kierkegaard or something like th yeah, they're really yeah. interested in making it uh, an exploration of of philosophical ideas in the context of these people trying to make sense of the afterlife, you know, you should totally jump back in Cameron because it, it does feel like a show that if you can enjoy the first part, you are rewarded for sticking around. Yeah. Like it, it can, it is like he, you can tell that the show writers have had this pace or this, uh, trajectory in their mind the whole time. I've actually went back and watched season one, knowing what you know after the more seasons you watch, because it's always on Delta airplanes. So I can always watch it when I'm flying. <laughs> 
And it is, it's, I think it's brilliant. How interesting. And Ted Danson. I mean, like, think about Ted Danson's career here. I mean, not only did he have Cheers, I mean, he then did Becker forever. And then he did CSI forever. Hmm. And then he did uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, He disappears into his character. And then The Good Place. You know, like, I mean, the guy... I mean, who would have thought that the bartender from Cheers would still be chugging <laughs> along in prominent franchises right. 40, 30 years later? Well, that's I mean, crazy. that's how Woody Harrelson got started for, was on Cheers, you know? That's right. Wow. He was the main, he was like the main, uh, like, protagonist on Cheers. Well, he Cheers. was the bumpkin. He, he like, moved there from yeah. Indiana, you know, yeah. and he was just... Moved to you the big he- city. You want to hear an interesting fact about uh, about his character is yes. Timothy Treadwell, the uh, protagonist of the docu- the Warner Herzog documentary Grizzly Man. He said that what threw his life on the trajectory of it did, that it did that he embraced like wildlife and started living amongst the grizzly bears was not getting the role of uh, Woody <gasps> Harrelson's role on Cheers, which he auditioned for. <laughs> Oh my god. The guy from Grizzly Band Man auditioned for the role that Woody Harrelson eventually got in Cheers, and that's why he became the Grizzly Man. And then died. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh, yeah, he was mauled by grizzly bears. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any light of it, but I think we all know. I think we all know how it ended up for him. I think we all know yeah. how it ended up for Woody hey, Harrelson. Hey, missed it. Grizzly Man <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, yeah. yeah. At the end of Grizzly Man, he is mauled by the Grizzly Bears. But that's, that's just insane. A, that's a piece of pop culture trivia. I've been waiting for the right moment to throw out there for a long time. And the opportunity is finally Interestingly, also Grizzly Man, uh, Annie's high school sweetheart. Yeah, thank you. That's the one I didn't want to bring up, but now yeah. you've done it. Yeah. Hey, uh, in case you missed it, lastly, uh, Selena Gomez this week wore a dress to the Met Gala inspired by Queen Esther. The theme of this year's gala was to celebrate Catholicism's influences on fashion. Hmm. I think they called it um, Heavenly Bodies Heavenly or something bodies, like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, it but was the, so but beautiful. The young pop star took the opportunity to pay tribute to one of her favorite Bible characters. She explained to Vogue that she chose the outfit, quote, since she is such an empowering female figure in the Bible and that she admired her strength. Before stepping off the red carpet, Gomez was asked if she had anything to confess, to which she responded, well, see, Bieber and I once. No, uh, she said, uh, I'm pretty sure my relationship is in check with Jesus, but I'm grateful. That's all I could say. I hope people know that what we're doing tonight is much bigger than what we wear. I pray that this entire generation will come to a point where we have our voices heard. Wow. That's a un- seemingly disconnected uh, answer to the question. <laughs> For, sure. Yeah. To For sure. I like how she pivot there. I like how she pivot there. Yeah. She's like, no, me and Jesus are good, but let me tell but you. But I do love her dress. You thought it was beautiful, the Met Gala stuff? Oh, my gosh. The Met Gala is my very one of my very favorite days of the year because all the dresses are so... I mean, Blake Blake Lively, is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Her, her dresses every year are... She's unbelievable. And so, yes, I looked at Selena. I saw Selena Gomez's. I thought it was amazing. I love when people dress that fancy on theme. Did y'all know that Blake Lively couldn't get there in a car? She had to... They had to bring her in a party bus because her dress would not fit in a normal vehicle. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, it's unbelievable. That, that's why I wear. That's why I take party buses everywhere as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that your, the train of your outfit can my, fit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's too big. Hey, if we're going I mean, out, we're amazing. going out. You was know what I'm saying? Just, it was just her on a party bus. 
Yes, her it was just, well, I think. Yeah, I think there were some people, and the designer was with her as well. I think. Wow. And so, but yeah, I mean, because her the train of her dress was so extravagant, it couldn't fit on a normal in a normal vehicle. If I were one of those, like I would, I would have additional people that were part of my my part of my outfit. Like that's the only Why way. No like those Christmas sweaters that have like they attach yes. at the arms, and everyone's like a different one. I would have like a like a whole group of people with me, and we're all wearing one giant outfit to the Met Gala. Do you? Okay. You know? <laughs> Sure. You say that, you know what immediately comes to my head. Do you remember the 1980s uh, version of a uh, Christmas story? The, there was a movie, like a made-for-TV movie, and it still comes on. Uh-huh, but uh-huh. it was like the 1980s, early 80s version, and and uh, the Christmas story, and the one of the present, were like the abundance and the and the uh, like when the 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 ghost is showing him like uh, excessive consumption and gluttony and things uh-huh. like that. Mm-hmm. Like that goat or that angel or ghost or whatever is wearing this velvet robe. And he's like larger than life. He's like, he yeah. looks like a Viking. He's like orange haired <laughs> and whatever. And he's wearing this green velvet robe. Do you remember this at all? Yes. Yes. And then there's Dang. this one moment like to reveal to him the other side of gluttony and selfishness. He opens his robe and there's little like, Elf, like like little orphan children starving that are like under his yes. robe. Mm-hmm. Do you yes. remember that? I have yes, not seen that so movie since you. 1982. And that I image of multiple people being in your clothes with you, like <laughs> that's what I thought of immediately, Jesse. And that terrifies me to this day that there's little like poor, I was thinking children. more. I was thinking more of like a wiener dog costume where like you have like six people behind you, you know, like that, in, like the last yeah, legs. Like a donkey. I mean, you could, go, you could go with little orphans in your trench coat or we could go wiener dog, <laughs> but uh, I see now I can't unsee that with the Met Gala dresses that there's probably little street children hiding under the, the big trains. Street children involved yeah. in making some of that. <gasps> Ooh, hot take. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying if we're talking about fashion, if we're talking about high fashion. We're talking about people not getting paid a fair wage and working in bad situations to be fair. True. Right. Yeah, that's why Thank my you, wiener Andre. my wiener dog costume was ethically fair, made, and it cost me a small fortune. Made, fair trade wiener dog outfits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. by, by, by like exactly artisan tailors. Was made. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew it was like a guy from like the Phantom Thread made that thing. It was like an, a, a true artisan, <laughs> <laughs> like Daniel Day Lewis. Daniel Day Lewis's characters hand sewing a giant wiener dog costume for me. I've known Jesse a long time, and people ask me about him. I'm like, listen, the one thing you need to know about Jesse Carey, he is a stickler for his artisan. Uh, hot dog outfits. Yeah, yeah. Dog outfits. <laughs> yeah. Um, I believe it. Nothing he made that is, in the USA. He believes in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there you go. All right, well that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned. Up next, Stephanie Gretzinger joins us. Come and stay with us. It's such an easy flight to new places. Keep on popping up around Clavius. It's all getting gentrified. The information at your ratio. It's the place to go. You're listening to Arctic Monkeys. The song is four out of five. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Bare Hands with Backseat Driver Spirit Guide. Those guys are my friends. Are they really? Yep. Oh, name drop. Yep. Gotta do it sometimes. Well, this week's episode is brought to you by Blue Apron. When it comes to dinner, Blue Apron takes care of the planning and shopping. With fresh, pre-proportioned ingredients and chef-designed step-by-step recipes, Blue Apron lets you see what food can do and enjoy delicious meals like 
popcorn chicken with sweet chili cabbage slaw mm. and cumin oh. spiced wonton noodles with vegetables and peanuts oh, all wow. on the table in 30 minutes or less. So fancy. Choose from 12 new recipes, which are all designed by Blue Apron's in-house culinary team and change based on what's in season each week. Blue Apron sends only non-GMO ingredients and meat with no added hormones. Yeah, yeah. So I was I was skeptical of the thirty-minute thing, you know, just because I know myself and I know how confusing I get around raw ingredients. Hey, that's <laughs> legit. Thirty minutes and like I just whoa, like the whoa, best. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Do you get confused around raw ingredients? Yeah, I mean that I, totally makes sense. Thankfully, th- <laughs> thankfully they uh, they come in you know with a very handy visual card because I don't know I don't know what these what these exotic e- exotic you know vegetables are or what or herbs you know but What's they come with everything. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Yeah, Wait, exactly. Why a shallot? Looks like an onion. Yeah. But you should see you should see. <laughs> I just follow the pictures and and guess what. They, I, you have your you have an artisan turkey burger that looks like it came from like the fanciest burger place in town, and it's fantastic. So uh, if they can make if they can turn me into a chef for a night, they can literally do it for anyone. <laughs> you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free at blueapron.com/relevant. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Stephanie Gretzinger is a songwriter and worship leader known for her work with the Bethel Music Worship Collective. But her breakout new solo album called Blackout makes a creative turning point for the artist by combining pop sensibilities and EDM-inspired production with her deeply spiritual lyrics. It recently debuted at number three on the overall iTunes music charts. Good for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We recently spoke with Stephanie about the music, artists, and songs that have impacted her for the latest edition of our segment, The Songs That Changed My Life. Here is Stephanie Gretzinger. my mind was a song by Nicole Nordeman called River God. She is probably one of my favorite writers across the board in mainstream or in Christian music. And it's been played through all the seasons of my life since it came out. Like I mean, for years now, that's been an ongoing thing that I revisited. Um, when I listened to River God, um, it, it kind of simplifies all of life for me. It, ma- it makes me slow down. And I think the way the picture is painted, like that I'm, if we bring it all down to the most simple state, that I'm a tiny stone, you know, in this giant for God and that he's washing over me throughout my life to make me into this beautiful, smooth stone. You know, I think it's, it's simplified everything for me. It brings me back to center every time I listen to it. Sometimes raging wild Sometimes swollen high Never have I known this river dry The second one that came to my mind uh, 
I would have to say Obsession by Delirious, specifically from the Live in a Can album. It's really, really raw and organic, and they're just, they have all these like spontaneous, even like these prophetic moments that are weaved into the album, but they, they're sort of titled Taking It Wherever It Goes. And um, Obsession, I think, was such, um, it was such strong language to use, I think, at least where I was in church growing up. But it was so honest. It was so true. It's like, oh, no, we really do obsess over these things. We were born to worship, and we're either worshiping God, we're either alive for Him, or we're worshiping something, someone else, you know? Like, we don't know how not to worship. We were designed for it. So I think um, we will always find something or someone to adore, to give ourselves to. And um, when I heard that song, I have um, I have so many memories of doing it in worship with um, with friends and seeing an entire room of teenagers like laid out on their faces, weeping before the Lord, and that was like so different for me. You know, I grew up in Nazarene churches, and to see those things break out in that culture was just stunning to me. It, cha- it changed my life. I've never forgotten it. It's never left me. And I, I visit it over and over again. that came to my mind was by Watermark, um, which I think Christy Knuckles and her husband, uh, they wrote a song um, called Mended. And it is, um, it ended up being the song that I played in my wedding. All of my bridesmaids walked down the aisle. The lyrics are stunning. I don't, um, talks about how he basically repairs everything that we've broken. You give us your best for what we thought was better is one of the lines. It's just stunning. It changed me forever. It, it, it transformed, um, I think, some of the harshness that I thought God had towards me. I think some of the, you know, like false imagery that I picked up about who God was, was changed listening to this song. And I encountered the kindness of God in a new way and it, it has marked me forever. You've got all things suspended, all things connected. Nothing was forgotten because your love is perfect. You are a healer and you know what's broken. We're not a mystery to you. Are you ready for this? John Mayer the song Comfortable. One of my best guy friends in high school, I had two best guy friends, and one of them, his name is Brent Salyers, and he he passed away seven years ago. And when we were in high school, 
I know it sounds funny, but we um we were sort of like we were literally best friends and inseparable for most of high school. Um, but he did end up dating another really beautiful. He dated a beautiful, wonderful girl that I think I actually actually kind of hooked them up. But we kind of went back and forth for years. Like, are we do like I? I loved him so deeply as a friend and he loved me so deeply as a friend and we kind of just kept missing each other. And I think um, it sounds like your good old emo, like teenage girl drama piece, but you know, at the, at the end of it, he, he, after he had dated this beautiful girl later on, he, he, he sent me this song. He sent me comfortable. And um, me being of course the one that, you know, he just remembered all our, our friendship, this is comfortable to me. And we weren't as close after that for a bit because I was honoring their relationship and he was, you know. But it changed, me, it changed me forever because I think maybe because he's gone now as well. And um, I often, I often um, think about those songs that, um, like, you know, when you listen to a song, you can, you can almost smell it and taste it that might sound weird to someone else but when they mark seasons of your lives the friendships the relationships and when it's a beautiful thing there's something about it that will always be sweet to me list a specific song but if I had to pick I mean they had some you know like they have some really intense some really intense stuff but probably like the Hoppy Pola album that when things started to be so joyful I think like it just took the world by storm their their music took the world by storm because it wasn't just it wasn't just heavy there was something happy about it there was something that like made your insides stand up even though you didn't even know what they were saying. <laughs> it was almost like, and when I think, when I went to, when I went to actually research their, what the, their lyrics to that song, I was like, this is crazy powerful. You know, I, I think when it came out, I just, I felt like this is a new wave of music. And it was like, oh, finally, it feels like joy is the inspiration for something and not just sadness. That was Stephanie Gretzinger. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. I regret this. It's written all over my face. I'm headed for the plane. And I want it all. Yes, I want it all. 
You're listening to Westerman. The song is Edison. Okay, it is time for your feedback. Last week, uh, we got talking about it's graduation season. And um, a lot of, you know, a lot of us have had to go through that. And a lot of us have <laughs> A memories. lot of us have been forced to go through that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and a lot of times, something unusual has happened at these graduation ceremonies. Jesse, you know, uh, told him the story of throwing one of those pointy hats at somebody and hitting an old lady. So it, it was very unfortunate. And that you think it would fly more like a frisbee and not just dart down violently like a ninja star. But lesson learned. <laughs> lesson learned. Lesson learned. Um, so we asked you, what is your best graduation ceremony story? You guys hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, and you also posted your stories on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Here's a few of our favorites. <laughs> PC uh, Walker, a regular Always. contributor uh, to these feedbacks. He, this guy has a story for everything. Um, <laughs> He's he, lived of course, a, a rich life. <laughs> he has. Uh, uh, he was on staff at a small Christian liberal arts school, and he was in charge of uh, the ushering at the graduation. So they didn't have enough seats, and they had to start putting people in the overflow area. Um, oh, it's not going to go well. Oh, it did not go well. Even though it was first come, first serves, the, you know, people were all upset and, <laughs> and people kept coming up to him. And one, one lady said, she looked at me right in the eye and, and very, very angrily said, but my son is graduating in here today. PC Walker without missing a beat and said, because, uh, <laughs> his, Former passes a nightclub bouncer. He's lived a wild life. He said, ma'am, a lot of people's sons and daughters are graduating here today. Bam, roasted lady. Go sit in the overflow room. <laughs> yeah, shows you showing up late. Yeah, exactly. If you really cared about your son and his achievement, then you would have showed up here on, on time. time. Yeah. Um, Emily Jordan has a great story that when she went to, she graduated from a small senior a small Christian college and the guy who spoke at the senior banquet, he just recited the lyrics of, I hope you dance. Wow. <laughs> he read the entire song in a monotone voice and he didn't even like cut the repeating lines. He said, I hope you dance. I hope you dance. I hope you dance. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. Who, Jesse, who spoke at your, who is your commencement speaker? At, at at high school at or Roberts University, I, it, it was like it was like a, a speech writer for George W. Bush, I believe. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had Creflo Dollar. What? Did you <laughs> really? Do you <laughs> remember the topic say? of his speech? The topic of the speech was, I'm sure, something about obtaining success and material things, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, airplanes. <laughs> and, he's like, and now, now, graduates, as you prepare to go out into the world, I leave you with this one thing. It's an offering basket for a new uh, plane that you can bless me with. If we can have the ushers come forward. If we had, yeah, the ushers come yeah, on forward. Oh, my goodness. And the, jet, the jet is a blessing. Do you believe God blesses? Because if you do, open up the wallet, kiddos. God bless. So. Me with a jet, you're about to bless me with the gas money. Yeah. Okay, listen, you guys. On today's Wednesday, on Friday, I'm doing my first ever graduation speech at a high school where I'm the speaker. What do I do? Did and you what go do I there? Not do? Did you go to the no. high school? No. Uh. Uh-uh. Well, wow. first, of all, first of all, congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank you. But I need some help. What? What? What do you guys? What do you remember from Creflo Dollar and from George W. Speechwriter? <laughs> I mean, I need to know. 
I mean, I think you actually have good things to say. I mean, I mean, you, what are you? What are They're you thinking? They're never going to remember me. They're never going to. No, remember that's why. You that's why. Hey, here's the thing. That's why you make them remember with the most insane <laughs> speech for, possible. Jess. Look to the person to your right. <laughs> Look yeah. to the person to your left. Yeah. Both of them will fail. And then <laughs> let me begin. Let me begin with that. And then, and then it's just berating people. You do a lot of crowd work. I think that goes over, okay. especially did with, you, with teenagers. You, do you remember the okay. look to your left or right? Do you remember the office when the three interns were wrapping up or they, they were kicking off their internship and it was like, it was like three college kids and yeah. there was one girl and two guys. And he said, you know, look to your right and look to your left. And he said, one of you will uh, be very successful in your career. One of you will barely meek out, you know, eke out an income and, and nothing more. One of you will be a great mother. <laughs> I'll do that. Yeah, you just need to keep them guessing, Annie. Like, I think... I think I think that what you need to do to start off the right way is set the tone. Is you get up to the mic and clear your throat and go, mm mm, mm Okay. And you just stare really long and silently for a long time, just making like judge. You know, they can tell is real judgmental. And you go, it makes me sick. And then just pause <laughs> for a while yeah. and don't ever tell them what's making you so angry. Yeah. Okay. And then jump okay. into your speech. You know. Okay. Did, did you watch any of Chance the Rappers? speech at uh, no. the university in New Orleans. I gave him a doctorate. No. Should I do that? Yeah. That should be my next yeah. move. Okay. I think just basically give that speech. Yeah. Okay. Just write it there's down. There's apparently, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this, but there's apparently, I think it's maybe Winston Church. There's someone who literally got up and said, do not give up and sat back down and that was it. Wow. Yeah, that's like <laughs> Which is Vince, really, Vince I mean, Lombardi. Yeah. Oh, is that who it was? Well, <laughs> that was his me. favorite thing. Don't, don't give up. Don't okay. ever. Oh, no, no. Uh, I'm thinking of um, it, it was appropriated from uh, uh, Coach V. Um, okay. At his famous ESPYs award speech. I was going to uh, say that yeah. is a part of a Winston Churchill speech, but yeah. there's a little bit more to it. Yeah, I mean, thank you. Okay, okay. See, I told you. I, 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 mean, I warned you ahead of time that I wasn't doing it right. That's still kind of gangster. I think you though. should lead out with that anecdote at your commencement speech with the okay. one you just gave. Give it the okay. same way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> there was a speech once, I think. Who was it? Someone, I, mean, I, mean, I, I don't know. Listen, it was, it was somebody that did something. I started looking out. I started Googling it, but I just kind of I just kind of gave up on it. I kind of gave up <laughs> on it. Whoever they were, it was really Can I get a cup of water, please? Is that your Annie of Downs voice that you just did right there? Yeah, I need you to work on that impression. That's not your best one. And then just be like, is it hot in here? Something about don't give up. Tell you what, we're going to jump right to the head to the offering. Hey, once in high school, once in high school, I dated Connor Reeves. And he was really great. Here's the story I'll lead with as the people I No, no, here's what you need to say. I'd like to, I've been brought here this morning to talk to you graduates. And I want to tell you a message you will never forget and reshape something very important about how you think about life at this time. The career of Keanu Reeves is really <laughs> underrated. If you look at IMDb, look at Sin's speed. A lot of people think he got, he got a bad rap because he played Johnny Utah in Point Break, which is a cornball movie. But Speed really did something. And then the whole thing is making the case for Keanu Reeves for the entire speech. Okay. But yeah. you don't apply it to life lessons. Or no, 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 no. It's, it's just, just making the yeah. case for Keanu no, Reeves. Right. Because okay. nobody can argue with you. They have to listen. Jesse right, is onto to, something at least with an inspiring anecdote, though, of someone yeah. that people would know. Like the whole like Michael Jordan did, didn't give up, and great because if he gave up, he wouldn't have made Space Jam. And I love Space right. Jam. <laughs> These right. kids are eighteen. Do they know what Space Jam is? 
<laughs> okay, this one says uh, at a graduation. My uh, this is from Mark at his sister's high school graduation ceremony. The principal gave a speech, and it was just a lot of very weird advice on how to make others happier. Uh, here's one of these uh, the, uh, <laughs> advice that he gave that the family still references. If people ask how you're doing, just lie to people and say you're fine. Oh, Honesty wow. and authenticity don't matter. Oh my that, goodness! I feel like that high school principal has a lot of suppressed rage, like <laughs> just waiting. <laughs> to blow up at any time. Um, okay, Lissy Moffat, I'm going to honor her by reading this because this is awful. She was, I don't know what this is. She was awarded a student counseling bursary. I don't know what that means, but so to become the student by president and the person presenting it to her was her best friend that she was also in love with. And so when she walks on stage, she went to hug him, but he went to shake her hand <gasps> and there was some weird hybrid and oh, the newspaper no. captured it. And oh, that man. was what was on the cover of the paper. Was that picture of him? That's awful. The awkward, oh, the awkward hug, non-hug yeah, with the yeah. guy that she secretly loves. Yes, oh, God oh love man, her. I love this one from Pierce oh. Perry because I brought up wiener dogs <laughs> earlier. Uh, <laughs> Pierce graduated back in not wiener dogs, a wiener dog outfit that you wear with multiple people. Yeah, but in yeah, tribute because yeah, wiener dogs well, is a traumatic issue in my life. Well, in tribute, wiener dog costumes what? is not. Yeah, in tribute Wait, to wiener dogs. There's a tragic wiener dog story in your past. You have a sad wiener dog story. Yeah, killed Awful. his, killed it. It savagely killed his rabbit. Right. Yeah, eight years old. I had a pet rabbit, and I came home, <laughs> and the neighbor's wiener dog came under the fence. And the rabbit cage was, you know, on cinder blocks, foot off the ground. And the wiener dog had been pulling at it through the cage and skinned it alive. And I came home at eight years old to fur and blood all over the, and my skinned alive rabbit alive and in shock in the cage still. Cause oh. the wiener dog all day was trying to Cameron. bite it and eat it through the cage. The oh. grizzly. At eight oh years old. Oh my gosh. And then. And then I went out and became Grizzly Man. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway. It's true. Cameron, that's unbelievable. I didn't know wiener dogs did that kind of stuff. Wiener dogs are awful little creatures. I'm surprised that you are not a superhero after that kind of origin story. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. That is awful. (laughs) Yeah, it was awful. Cameron, did you like, did you go get your parents? Yeah, well, I mean, I was a latchkey kid, so I was home alone for a couple hours. And then when my mom and you just home, had to I, leave your rabbit outside skin? I didn't know what to do. I did call. I did. Oh, I ran inside and called my mom. I was panicked and freaking out, obviously. And then they came and uh, took it to the vet, you know. <laughs> and I think they probably just threw it out the window on the side of the road on the way to oh the vet. God. But, you know. It's oh, living man. on you a know. nice farm, and that night they ate a delicious <laughs> stew with a meat that Cameron had never tasted before. You want to sew the skin back on, but it needs to go to a cooler climate yeah. than Florida. Yeah. So Cameron, just... that is so sad. That is one. Of, that is a sad story. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. well, either way, that that's why this is so apropos. Pierce Perry's uh, feedback. He graduated in 2011, Oof. and the the speaker was just a pastor from some local church that he didn't know. And he started to bring up Oscar Mayer wieners for some reason that unbeknownst to them in the speech. And he ended the speech with this: "We are not wieners; we are winners." <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm taking that with me. I'm taking it with me. Oh, my goodness. When after the superintendent came up, the speaker grabbed the mic again and said, I now present you the class of 2001, even though it was the class of 2011. So, you know, mistake anyone can make. Mistake anyone can make. Oh, that's awful. I kind of can't shake your wiener dog story, Cameron. Yeesh. Yeah, it, it sticks with you for a while. 
<laughs> do you ever wake up in the night screaming? Do you remember anything? From, I mean, I have a terrible memory. I think it's all the Diet Coke. I can't remember what we did two nights ago. Okay. <laughs> but I don't know how, if y'all remember your childhood. I, one of the most amazing things to me is like these authors and storytellers and even pastors who can tell stories with such detail. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I vaguely would remember that the event happened, yeah. let alone be able to paint the picture and all that. I can't remember anything. I vividly remember walking into the backyard and what I saw, you know, mm. like, oh, why gosh. is there fur on the ground? Yeah. Why is the fur red? What is, and then looking up, I, re- I vividly remember every oh, aspect, remember. every part of that, what happened. It was awful. Yeah. How could that you forget awful. that? No, no. Yeah. yeah and you probably should, you probably should go to onsite or something. <laughs> 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 I don't think it like stuck with me and like changed like my psyche or anything or my mental health. It's like that. There, there was one line from Annie's face is just. just, just, it, reminds, just it reminds me of like, like I love like really dark humor and like yeah. I was watching like a Modern Fam one time, which is not a show that's really known for dark humor, but it was one of the sickest and funniest lines where uh, Phil's trying to explain. They had that whole arc where Cam was the clown, you know, like he would dress yeah. up as a clown, and Phil was yeah. terrified of clowns. And he's doing like the the confessional, you know, he's like sitting on the couch talking to the camera. He's like. I don't know. I've just always been afraid of them. I, I don't know what it has to do with. It might be that time I found a dead clown in the woods when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you want to onsite this thing? There actually is a deeper thing that happened. So the rabbit was brand new. Like we had just gotten it. It was a big deal. It was the first pet that I had uh, that was mine and all this. And we had it on our screened back porch when we first got it in a, in a little rabbit cage, you know, mm-hmm. but it was on the back porch. And my, my dad was like, no, we're going to keep it in the backyard. You know, I, I'll put on cinder blocks and all this stuff. And I was like, no, but can we keep it in the back porch, you know? And it'd be easier to play with and all that kind of stuff. No, we're going to keep it in the backyard. So we put him out there for the first night. And, and then I went out there in the morning and there was like a little bit of blood on his ear, right? Just a little nip of blood on his ear. And I told my dad, like, I, something happened out there. There's not, the shelter isn't good enough or something happened in the night. I, I, I think we need to put him back on the porch so he'd be safe. And he said no. And that afternoon is when I went home from school and oh, it had been eaten by the dog because the dog had messed with him the night before too. I never trusted my dad ever again. <laughs> Shut up. You did. Wait, no. are you kidding? He and I had a really rough relationship. We're good now. Oh my gosh, yeah. you're not kidding. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Like we had a rough relationship. Like I said to you, dad, this is, this is an issue. Yeah. And he rejected that my perspective mattered. Yeah. We're just going to do it this way. Yeah. And then the thing that I love died tragically yeah. and it's his fault. And I blamed him forever. I could, I mean, I, for real, this is hey, true. Chandler, We're okay. Chandler, now. Chandler, I know, I'm do me a, laughing. Do me a I am not laughing. I'm just, wa- I'm just listening. I'm just being Chandler, a friend here. Chandler, we're not going to leave this. We're not going to leave this meatball dangling out there. Call up your dad right now. <laughs> no, listen, no, but this is this scares this. I mean, it doesn't scare me, but I think about that in the sense that my son's eight. I was eight then. The, yeah, that I was going to ask a, you if it if about Cohen's age. That, yeah. that you that you as a parent can do something innocuous, some some uh, throwaway comment, some small decision that could really impact your kid yeah. for a long time. Yeah. You know I mean, what I mean? Yeah. That is around that age for right. sure. Where it starts yes, like you're yes. forming the future person. Yeah. And yeah. these are like you yeah. watch inside out, you know, like th- these are those, those core memories. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah. And like, it's true. Like as a parent, that's so sobering that like, I need to care for his heart and hear him yeah. and like, you know, lead him well. And I, you know, again, my dad and I are fine. Great now, but it really was years where I just like, I don't trust him. He doesn't listen to me. He doesn't know me. He doesn't yeah. know what matters to my heart. You know what I mean? It was a big deal, Annie. So you're talking about onsite, that stupid wiener dog. <laughs> Man, wiener dogs are the worst. I knew it was a big deal. I could see it on your face. The yeah. the theater of the minds. We can all see each other's faces. I could see on your face. It wasn't just I, the uh, pet story. Here yeah. goes Jesse. You're Go making Jessie. me feel pretty upset about something that happened with me and <laughs> Noah when his pet turtle. Sorry, I didn't know they're connected to their shells. I thought they could come out. So sue me. So sue me. It was horrific. It was horrific. I don't don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. We don't need to. We don't need to revisit. But uh, we all make mistakes. Cameron, you lived through the beginning of a horror movie. Like every, <laughs> right? everything that you described, like even the the premonition, like yeah. seeing the blood on the on the rabbit. Something like, bad's happening. That's the that's the that stuff. Is that is the premonition. That's the stuff that scary movies are made of. And yeah. so it made yeah. me think about like how you like I don't like scary movies. I know something bad's going to happen, and then it did. And a lot of times, yes. those movies are made to make larger comments about society, like Get Out, like Light, A Night of the Living Dead, all that kind of stuff. And so, like when you said that, it just made me think of that. Like, huh. man, like you already like. That whole scene that you described with the rabbit and all the kind of stuff like that is a horror film. Yeah. Yes. But also, I think it's really generous of you to share the trueness of that story because so many people have those memories and think they didn't impact who they became. And they do. Yeah, they do. And, really and there's healing for that. I mean, I know that sounds silly and we don't ever talk about serious stuff, but there, I mean, not even like it going somewhere, but there's healing for that. And you've done the work of that. And I, I'll tell I mean, you that, it, it started, my dad and I had a terrible relationship from that moment until I went off to college. I, uh, honestly, That's this insane. is the truth and Chandler maybe will vouch for this. Uh, we're almost 12 years apart, 11 years apart. And uh, I think at some point they, my dad just kind of hit reset and like said, well, I'm gonna have a good relationship with Chandler. Yeah. And like, and I, and I was more close with my mom. And like, so as I went off to college and stuff, my dad and I were totally disconnected. And it really honestly started because not he didn't only, trust you with the rabbit. Yeah, not only that, but I mean, it started then, right? My dad reached out to me in college and, and he was like, we need to make this right. And and uh-huh. he asked for forgiveness, not because of the dog thing, but like really just looking back, really humbled himself and admitted mistakes in parenting with me and not knowing how to care for my heart, yeah. you know, as yeah. a son. And he's like, and he told me, he's like, my one hope as a dad is that I get it right with, with Chandler mm. and that you and I can <laughs> oh be gosh. closer as adults than we were when you yeah. were a kid, you know? But like, it's true. But like looking back, it wasn't just that, but there was a lot of things where I just didn't like him. I didn't, I resented him. I just, whatever. And it, I was eight and, and I was pleading with him. I remember pleading with him to that thing that I love, please, can we care for it and bring it on the porch? No. Yeah. And, then it, and then it was tragically murdered by a wiener dog. You know, the weirdest thing, Damn you know, the weirdest thing about that story, the wiener's dog name was Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. You can, you can, you can, you can call oh Dr. God. Sigmund Freud to try to figure this one out. I don't know what it means. I'm not trying that to assign meaning so to it. I'm just noting it. Just noting it. I'm not saying it's a metaphor. I would not say that. Oh my gosh. 
I'm just saying it's weird that that happened. Uh, hey, there's a lot more feedback where that stuff was about graduation <laughs> ceremonies. If you want to remember what we were talking about, <laughs> what, you can go check it out here. on last week's podcast episode page. Okay, it's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Okay, well, <laughs> this is a little bit of a 180 from uh, where, where we just were. You know, I'm sitting there talking about this moment in my childhood with a pet that like actually really impacted me beyond just a pet, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But all of us have those stories that things happened in our formative years that, you know, kind of set the trajectory in some ways or form who you are in some ways. And again, I referenced inside out those like core memory moments. Yeah. Um, And so it's, we all have stuff. Nobody's had a perfect life. We all have stuff that's wounded us. We want to know for this week's question of the week, a story from your early years or your early life of something maybe your parents did or somebody key in your life did that set you in a positive way, set you on the course of who you are now in a good way. Like one of those moments, one of those things that you look back and remember with vivid detail, this was the genesis of that thing or this is when it all changed for me. Mm. That's exciting. Um, When I was in second grade, I remember my second grade teacher. Second grade, eight years old, man. Yeah, that's that's that time where like you take in a lot of messages. Something to that. Se- yeah. hey, hey, second grade is the first year I remember. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. like I remember being like, I had thoughts. I remember my teacher. I remember like, I, I liked this shirt and I was embarrassed when I had to wear that. You know, yeah. that kind of, eight, that was eight years old, man. Yeah. Well, they say that like your first two years, you can't tell the difference between yourself and a chair in the room. Like, you have no <laughs> self-consciousness yeah. whatsoever. You can't even reflect on yourself. I remember um, my second grade teacher, Mrs. Addy, told me that I was smart. And I remember to this day when she said that, I sat back and said, I didn't know I was smart. <laughs> mm. Wow. And I, I genuinely think that I would have never, I don't think I would have gone to college. I don't think I would have done any of that stuff. Really? She, Andre, for real? Honestly, I really don't Are think that Are you friends with I, her on Facebook? Wow. Is she I, still alive? I haven't looked, I haven't looked her up, but I remember that day. And I remember like, cause before then I used to just sit in class and draw lines and dragons and just like, <laughs> but when she said that, I remember being surprised and I yeah. remember like, to this day, I think that she if she'd never said that to me, I would have never applied myself in school. Do you know I, what, Andre? You know, I used to teach elementary school and no. I had a and I did a Mother's Day post about what it's like about how um, about how to thank families who invite you in. And one of my fifth graders from 12 years ago said, uh, I know you've never been a mom, but you were a mom to me. Oh, and, oh, wow. and she was like, I don't think you knew what was going on in my house. I don't think you knew what my life was like but you were always a mom to me. And so I think you should find that teacher and tell her. I'm going to see if I can find her on Facebook. I had a teacher in high school that changed me and, and, and she's not doing well health wise right now. And oh. I was able to send her a, a message to tell her how she impacted my life. She, she, it was small, small, small Christian school. And there was a elective class or journalism, you know, and, and she was the teacher. She was also my English teacher. And she told me during that class, I was like sophomore. She's like, you're good at this. You can do this. And I was, you know, I came from a media family. Mm -hmm. And so like, I didn't want to fall in their footsteps or anything like that. And it it was expected of me, but she's like, you've, you've got this, you have a voice in Mm. this, you know, you're good at this. Wow. And it really gave me the boost to go, okay, I actually think I want to figure out how to find my lane in this and do this with my career. That's so awesome. She literally like spoke it like, do you need to do this? You know? Yeah. There you go. Awesome. Jesse, anybody help your impact you in a good way? 
Well, <laughs> I, I mean, speaking of like high school teachers, I remember a teacher, Mrs. Mowry, and I like we did these. It starts off kind of goofy, but like we did these field trips uh, where you get to go out of town to like um, go to like Washington, D.C. or somewhere cool for like a, a week with your classmates. And one year, me and my friends went on one. We got in trouble for just being goofballs in the hotel. And so the next year we weren't allowed to go on one of these like extended field trips. So I had to stay behind and do the local history trip, which basically you just had to show up to school every day and go to like a, a local museum that was super lame that you've been going to ever since you're in elementary school as like a punishment, you know, so I had to go to local history. And the end of it, no, but this, so, so the end of it, you have to write like a long paper about, you know, everything you learned. It's one thing if you're going out of town for like a week with all your buddies and you can like, oh, I'll totally write a paper to, to go spend a week out of town. But when you're showing up at school every day and just going to like, you know, a place to watch them reenact loading a musket, it, it's totally different. So I, when I wrote the paper. I wrote it as if it this every day of the trip blew my mind more than any other day of my life. And I like, and I wrote it as like a total joke. And I, and I was like, and I wrote it as like flowery and as over the top as I could just because like this is the only way I'm going to get through this paper, you know? And like I was talking about being transported through time, you know, you know they, like the gift shop. high school? I, I was a sophomore junior a sophomore. and and I thought I was getting in trouble too for it because I, I just didn't really care. But Miss Mallory after, I swear this is true and it really did alter the way I thought about things. She said, uh, she said she laughed the whole time she read it and she was like, I think you could do this. I think you could write professionally and be funny if you really wanted to do it. Oh, wow. Like, oh even gosh. though it was like a punishment that I was doing it and I was kind of doing it to be smart, Alec, she actually <laughs> was like, no, you should actually think about you know, and, and I mean, I don't, I, here I am. So, I mean, you, ha- you figure so, out a way to get paid to be a smart aleck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I never, I never thought like, like I said, I never really put it in that context before, but it was for a formative. I still remember it. And I don't remember yeah. a lot of like, you know, uh, like that type of encouragement from the, from teachers. So yeah, oh, I can't I mean, wait to read people's stories. Yeah. It's going to be touching. I ruined it. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. It's going to be my, great. It's my Enneagram fourness. Thing. Yeah, oh. your fourness changes us. That is for sure. <laughs> hey, hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcasts, or you can write your longer uh, stories on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com, and we will read our favorites on next Wednesday's episode. That's going to be good. Yeah, we all, yeah. We've all had those th- moments. We've yeah, all had sure. something that nudged us that maybe hurt and we still carry with us. And then we've had things that nudged us that really positively impacted us. Yeah, that's right. People and different events. I think it's so cool seeing that trajectory when you look back at it too, like you trace it to that moment. You're like, oh wow, like this has been a part of my life for a long time. Yeah. I know that both of y'all hung on to stuff your teacher said and it really shaped your career and made you believe something. That's so beautiful. All three of y'all. It was one of those things that like, I mean, my, my, I, you know, your, your dad wants you to follow in his footsteps. And so like my dad was like, I had a part-time job at their office and just, uh-huh. you know, it's always around it and like grooming to get in, get in the industry. And it's just like, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't know if I was good or, or if I was just supposed to do it. Word. You know? And she, yeah. she didn't know him. She didn't know any of that. She's just like, yeah. you're good at this. You need to do this, you know? Yeah, it's a big deal to that's a huge somebody deal. Somebody who's trying to figure yeah. out what to do with their life. Um, well, hit us up. 
There you go. Well, many thanks to this week's uh, sponsor for making the episode possible. Remember, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free at blueapron.com slash relevant. Also, thanks to Stephanie Gretzinger for joining us. Her new album, Blackout, is out now. And if you um, if you listen at 11 a.m. every morning, you can sync up with Annie because that's what Annie <laughs> F. Downs does. <laughs> that's right. Start with the truth-telling song. That one is mess you up. Well, the new issue of Relevant is out now. You can check it out online and uh, subscribe as well. There's a good deal going on at relevantmagazine.com. Go check it out. The new issues featuring Aubrey Plaza on the cover. Speaking of Parks and Rec earlier, um, she is leading a conversation about mental health with yeah. uh, her new role. We talked to her. Charlemagne the God is in the issue. Beth Moore is in the issue. It is um, it is packed. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Go check it out at relevantmagazine.com. And on that note, we will wrap up our Wednesday episode. On Friday, uh, Eddie will be back. So make sure to tune in. Uh, Eddie's back. And also Ira Glass joins us on Friday's oh, episode wow. of the Relevant Podcast. Two of Jesse's yeah. very best friends. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. true. Three of, us, three of us buds. Just you know, three hanging. Just hanging. Back together again. <laughs> hanging. That's just... Funny. just Professionals in the industry on an equal level. <laughs> colleagues. I call them colleagues. Peers, peers, friends, that's exactly right. Friends, brothers, colleagues is what I call us. So. <laughs> I know not we're be closer. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Andre Henry. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Annie F. Downs. We'll see you on Friday. for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. The career of Keanu Reeves is really underrated. Relevant Podcast Network.